0: You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Hey, welcome to episode 149. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And this will be our next-to-last episode, and probably in some ways kind of our last real episode. So
1: here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Man, with with that kind of marketing, there's no way I'm not going to listen to the rest of this. (laughs)
0: Uh, So what happened to Pebble? We were just talking about the rumor of this, and then it happened.
1: Well, yeah, so this is one of those things that the, the purchase of pebble by a much larger company like fitbit just did not seem that controversial. So once the rumor got announced, it was just like, well, it's just a matter of time before we hear the details now. Cause this <laughs> is obviously definitely happening. And it turned out it obviously definitely happened. And it kind of went the saddest way it possibly could. They killed all the hardware. They killed all of the support for the existing hardware. Very vague promise of
0: some, like, the, it would continue to function for a while.
1: Yeah. Um, like, with no promises. U- users made. will eventually experience uh, degraded or reduced <laughs> service. Yeah. It, and I mean, they canceled the Pebble Time 2 and the core and, you know, the other crap that just got backed on Kickstarter. Um, if you own one and you want to return it, tough crap like you 're outside, <laughs> like your warranty is cancelled i mean they they did not just buy this company and say like yeah we 're going to keep running it as an independent entity while we figure things out. They murdered it, like yeah, they took it out behind the woodshed and shot it
0: <laughs> we're we 're unplugging the
1: life support, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as a Pebble owner, that's a pretty concerning bunch of language. Uh, We link to the official (laughs) um, Pebble blog post in uh, the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 149. And it's pretty pretty bleak. It's like, hey, we returned your money if we could. If you're a Kickstarter person, the rest of you who already got a product, you're kind of boned. Talk to your retail
0: (laughs) if you bought it at retail. Otherwise, eh, super sorry. sorry.
1: Um, I'm, I'm the only thing that's still keeping me optimistic is the functionality that I care about does not require services. Like just (laughs) don't break what already works. They never need to update the app again. They never need to do anything. By the time the current API is incompatible with this hardware, I will have outlived this hardware. And I mean, I
0: imagine that there will be some kind of grassroots indie community that'll keep it alive with like custom ROMs that you'll be able to somehow load onto it if you're really committed to continuing to use the thing you purchased.
1: Yeah. And by the time that stuff is my only option, I just can't imagine being like, well, I refuse to upgrade my device. (laughs) I mean, like I'm I, I feel bad for the people who bought this as the non smartwatch smartwatch You know, like you have people who didn't want Android Wear and they didn't want an Apple Watch because, like, it's too techy and it's too much and it does too much, and so they (laughs) bought this and maybe they were expecting to get five or six years out of it, and it's just sorry. (laughs) I had a I had
0: a meeting with someone in the past week and they had a Pebble on, so I asked them about it and uh, they said it hasn't been paired to a phone for like over a year and they really just use it as a watch. (laughs) (laughs)
1: they just have an e-ink
0: watch and they said it used to be cool to like get you know they would get call and email notifications and then at some point they got a new phone and they just never bothered to repair it they were definitely not like a tech enthusiast kind of you
1: think but that that might be my favorite uh pebble usage story is like i just wanted to watch so I bought this really expensive watch. <laughs> oh, it was a gift, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, and as watches go, pebbles are not that expensive.
0: Yeah. I think that's the saving grace is you, you can't... You can be mad, but it's like it's not like you spent 400 on an Apple Watch and Apple's like, just kidding, iPads only forever now.
1: Well, and if you bought it when it was brand new, you've had it for two or three years, right? Or at least. More uh, like, what, four or five years? A pebble? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if... If you bought an original Pebble for full price when they were brand new and you are now furious that it is not going to get updates anymore, it's like, eh, you got a pretty good life out of that tech gadget.
0: I'm looking um, that up. Uh,
1: of oh, the original release date?
0: Yeah. We need some 2015 was the second one. So July 2013, Ooh, doo, doo, they began selling. Doo, 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 there you go.
1: Okay. July 2013. Doo, 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 doo. Okay. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's not it's not so bad for a, a tech product, especially something that was supposed to be a lower end entry level-y kind of tech product. You know, this, this wasn't, I don't think anyone bought this thinking like, well, this will last yeah. me a decade. I'll will this to my children. I think the
0: skeptics are all, even if they weren't, didn't actually have evidence, they're like, told you so. There's no room under <laughs> the umbrella of the giants. Um, I'm I'm in that number. <laughs> <laughs> I so, didn't know, but I wondered if they would really last.
1: But I knew. Well, I mean, <laughs> there there was still a lot of directions they could have gone. They could have become an Android Wear, you know, partner. They could have maybe been acquired by Google and just been folded into like the Android Wear team. Um I I honestly don't think this is the end for this kind of a product just because Fitbit has been slowly upping their fitness game. Because I mean, if you remember, the original Fitbit was like a stupid little thing you like strapped to your waist and like <laughs> tracked your footsteps or you like clipped it onto your shirt, right? Like going way back. The original Fit and then there's like the bracelet ones. And now there's Those like, seem the,
0: pretty popular still.
1: Oh yeah. But there's also like the one that looks like a big proper watch. And and they've been their whole thing has been like sleep tracking and fitness tracking. And I've heard frustrations on other podcasts because the Fitbit actually tracks some data that it doesn't expose in a very good way. So like it's even doing more than you think it can do. And (laughs) so to take the Pebble software or the people with the expertise of the Pebble software, because this was absolutely an Aqua hire Like they (laughs) they took a bunch of the people and then they shut down like all of the actual jobs. Do you think it was
0: more aqua hire than buying a competitor to not exist anymore?
1: Um I mean from the outside it certainly seems like it was a perfect storm of both. Cause they were like, why hire other engineers to compete against Pebble when we could just buy Pebble, which will yeah. give us all their talent and destroy them as a competitor. <laughs> I mean either one of those. Destroy an alone, enemy
0: by making them your friend.
1: <laughs> yeah. Either one of those alone would be a perfectly sound reason to have done this and then to have the magic of them being being able to do both, both of those valid reasons being there. I'm just hoping that Fitbit sees the value of, like, wrist notifications and also sees that most people want a fitness device or think that they want a fitness device. I'm still not sold on this. I think most people are fat and
0: lazy and they just... They just want to
1: believe in their best self. It's just like everybody buys $300 pair, you know, running shoes and it's like... Get memberships
0: in January.
1: All of that stuff. You know, I mean, I want people to be more fit, but I also... Look around, I you know, I live in the United States, I know what people are like here. Um, I'm not We're under of the th-
0: thumb of Big Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: I, you are now, if you weren't before, you are now picturing Cookie Monster in like a three piece suit <laughs> smoking a cigar <laughs> and like uh Oscar the Grouch next to him doing the haha business. <laughs> like ha ha garbage just mafia gangster <laughs> cookie monster <laughs> well yeah you know it's like the the evil tobacco executive <laughs> but anyway I, I think that there is hope is not lost for a device like a pebble to still exist in the market it's just it will be made maybe now by fitbit and not by pebble yeah
0: um I guess we we have this conversation every time it comes up. Long term, (laughs) is Fitbit just going to be bought by a bigger fish? Like, how many bigger fish will this go? How many, you know, Russian nested doll of wearable companies? Uh, I mean... Like, Microsoft going to be like, hey, we want to own something and our band isn't... You know, even those people that have it like it, no one knows it exists outside of that narrow narrow band of people <laughs> I,
1: I, I could see you struggling to not have to say that um no I think there's a case to be made that there will almost always be like the hipster non-major company like yeah Facebook dominates social media but you know there's still some weirdos using Elo. <laughs>
0: like that's oh fun.
1: man I forgot about Elo. I'm gonna have to sign into that again If your account hasn't been shut down. But, I mean, Fitbit is – their positioning is, hey, we're after fitness tracking. It doesn't matter if you have an iPhone. It doesn't matter if you have an Android phone. We're after people who want to do fitness tracking. Just like Garmin doesn't have anywhere near the market penetration that um, Google and and Apple probably have, but – that's not what they're after. They're after people who will spend $500 on a dedicated fitness tracker because that's what they care about more than any of the other crap. So, right now, you have something like an Android Wear Watch or an Apple Watch, which is a really good notification platform and then some other like fitness stuff baked in. And then you have like a Garmin or a Fitbit, which is a really good fitness platform with like maybe some notification stuff built in. So, if they continue to go after Essentially, I guess what you would call like the professionals, like, you know, people who are like professional, semi professional, or like hobbyist athletes, and that's their main differentiator. I can't imagine Apple or Google ever going after that market directly. I can't imagine Google saying, like, hey, you know how we make general purpose computers? Not this, though. (laughs) <laughs> this yeah. is specifically and only for people who are like hardcore fitness enthusiasts.
0: No, I don't think they're going to make that niche, but I do wonder if it's more like a word processor niche where you're like, okay, computers are going to eat
1: your lunch and no one's going to buy a separate typewriter eventually. <laughs> Except 20 years later they'll buy type- keyboards that look like typewriters so that they can Right, and Tom <laughs> Hanks
0: will be an enthusiast for them. But.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I would say in the the short run, I think the future of wearables is still too unclear to have the 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 niche company like completely squashed. Long you invent a third pronunciation. Of that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about pronunciations, <laughs> pronunciations. Uh, I don't, I don't think the the future of wear like when the iPhone came out, that obviated away all other phone designs, like. From that moment on, until we hit the next like milestone moment, we knew what phones were going to look like. And for the last 10 years, they've all been rectangles with gigantic touchscreens on the front and sometimes other buttons. And I think I, I see no evidence that wearables are that cemented yet. Um, we may go bigger, longer screens. We may go screenless where it communicates with you all through vibration. I mean, who knows?
0: I agree with that. We're definitely in Friendster and maybe not even MySpace (laughs) stage. Um, But it's sort of like, man, a lot of these fish are going to die or be eaten. Um, It's just a matter of when that hockey stick happens for it. If I mean, I guess it's not a foregone conclusion. People could just say, nah, I don't want stuff
1: on my wrist. Give me a pendant am still, still pulling for the pendant. Well, I also think that there's an argument to be made that um, anything, any weird thing we can do with the eyes, it could, in my mind, would totally destroy this. Like, if you could give me glasses that looked like normal glasses, but that had a full heads up display. Just hollow lens on your face basically but that looked like completely normal glasses and and had like a 36 hour battery life like yeah I'd, get rid of, yeah I'd get rid of my wrist mounted thing in a hot second like it wouldn't even wouldn't even be a consideration and then mean, you
0: it, couldn't you couldn't look like you had better
1: things to do when you're in a meeting that's actually one of the biggest drawbacks to smartwatch life is i get a lot of notifications cuz i i let most of them through to my wrist and so i feel like i'm constantly going <sighs> <sighs> In the other person's mind is like, oh my god, why is he checking the time so damn much? <laughs> uh, so you you watch Black Mirror, yeah? I haven't
0: seen anything past the first season, to be honest. But don't that's worry tragic. if you want <laughs> if you want to describe a plot, that's fine. Well, there, I don't mind.
1: So, so this is a, a recurring theme throughout Black Mirror, and I'm I'm highly confident it's in the first few episodes, but. Every time someone has... Everything's going to be
0: terrifying in the future.
1: (laughs) Yes. Every time someone has either an eye-mounted thing or a a glasses-mounted thing, something that's like a a heads-up display, it's usually baked right into their eyes or it's, like, ejected into their brain or whatever. But, like, it's, you know, only they can see it. No one else can see what they're seeing. There's always some kind of tiny, like thumb-sized little remote that you can use for, like, scrolling and selecting, yeah. right? You're not going to poke yourself in the eye, <laughs> And even if you had glasses, like, you know, you're you're wearing, what would you call those, like, Buddy Hollies? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, so, yeah. So, smart like,
0: guy, Hollywood glasses.
1: Yeah, you, you have on smart guy Hollywood glasses, but like <laughs> you would feel and look like a complete moron if you were like dragging your finger in front of your eye and tapping on the glass. Oh yeah, not right? happening. Yeah, so so I can imagine having uh, something that you you use is basically like a tiny little remote. Um,
0: I mean, why not just like some part of your arm that you they have, wasn't? Didn't someone have some startup for like a touchpad that could just use your skin or something?
1: I've seen so many fake photoshops of that. Like the next <laughs> iPhone is going to be a projector that shoots onto your well, wrist. There's a
0: way to do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like of just like yeah, my hand is a trackpad, and I just swipe my finger on my palm, and I'm doing stuff.
1: Well, that and I mean, all I'm really getting at here is I think we will get to really kick ass um, private display technology before we get to really kick ass sub vocalization. I, I don't know why. Like I just, I have this feeling that I'm not going to be next to a bunch of people on the train who are all quietly muttering to themselves. Yeah. Which, I mean, contrary, I want that. the
0: muttering is going to be like yeah. a weird transition.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I want Jane. Like I want to be able to like softly. You're for the dead. Oh God, I want it so bad, man. Like, <laughs> I, I want a a one hundred percent screenless, full voice AI interface like that. That to me is is the big target on the horizon that I, I would be aiming for. Um, yeah, but I, I think that uh, the 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 screen on the glasses, or I don't know, crazy implants, or something in your brain with some kind of like small controller or, or hand mounted touch, whatever. Um, that that seems like it's more, uh, it's a smaller bridge to cross.
0: Except for the having to wear anything at all bridge, which I agree. The watch also has to face, but I think putting something on your face if you don't already wear
1: glasses is always just going to be a, you want me to what? Yeah, you're probably, I mean, do you really feel like it was that different to say like, I haven't worn a watch since I started carrying a cell phone, you want me to what? <laughs> I just think the face, like
0: adding something to the face, it. <laughs> It's a more fundamental identity change of like, I'm now a guy with something on his face. And if you didn't need glasses anyway, um, that kind of that might hit you more.
1: Well, but then, of course, there'll be the sunglasses version. Everybody loves sunglasses.
0: <laughs> the vampire Ray Bans. I hope everyone watched that in the last episode's show notes, which you can find in Sunrise Robot. <laughs> slash the, dot net slash,
1: table slash 148 that did, that cracked me up especially cuz <laughs> when you first mentioned it you sounded insane and then, <laughs> and then when i went back and watched it i was like i totally remember this <laughs> Um okay, and uh other piece of follow-up here. Uh Google Photos, uh we were debating and I honestly don't remember which one of us was on which side of this, but we were talking about like will this eventually just be Oh I
0: thought it was just a feature and this was just a temporary stage of here's a separate app for this.
1: Yep. So it turns out if you have the Google photo Scan app installed and you're in Google Photos, you get an additional menu item that says scan photos and there's even the friendly little like box with an arrow to let you know it's going to send you somewhere else but yeah i mean so google is is way ahead of both of us on this they're already it's already baked in and eventually it will just be a feature of google photos probably
0: yeah you just need the advertising of check out this cool new app
1: and then later it's already part of your app you love yeah. Yeah. Well, eventually people will just associate Google Photos with scanning their photos and then it won't have to be a separate app. It'll just be part of it. And there's probably some benefit to having it be separate just so that if someone's never thought of it or seen it before, they have that extra icon in their their app drawer. But, you know, I, I'll leave yeah. that up to the marketing philosophers. Amazon Go. Let's get into our episode here. No more follow up. <laughs> yeah, this um, this is staggering to me. Tell Tell me about this.
0: Ah, so Amazon unveiled and they're they're testing this. I think in only like San Francisco or like one or two places. But basically, they've invented a they've combined a bunch of technologies to have a retail shop where there are no employees, no checkout lines. Um, Really, you just uh, scan your little barcode that represents your account when you walk in, and then you take what you want and you leave. And uh, using uh, computer vision, they said it uh, uses technology that driverless cars are using um, to basically watch you in the store and see what you take. And then they, they add it to your cart, and then your receipt is digital, and you can see in the app what you bought, and uh, it's basically, the, it looks like a vision of a really frictionless retail experience where you walk in, take it, and leave, and you don't have to talk to a human, you don't have to wait in a line, and uh, uh, it's this beautiful little vision of the future.
1: Do, do you it. not want this? I want this.
0: <laughs> I do want it. I, I just wonder about society. Uh, how much of uh, America is working in the service industry and what would that do to our economy to just say goodbye? It's all automated.
1: Um, yeah. I, I did notice that this uh, this announcement immediately renewed people saying, like, why are we not already talking about universal basic income?
0: Yeah. Um. And I guess, I mean, I don't want to skip past the cool technology stuff, but I do, you know, not to diminish what they've accomplished in at least their idealized video version of it, um, but how many people have kids? And if you're shopping, like, are your kids not allowed to come in? Will it know your kids are grabbing stuff too? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if various people are you know, I, I imagine it's not that complex yet. And the video shows a lot of like really hipster twenty thirty somethings with cool clothes shopping.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are no old people, there are no children, and notably you don't see any combined groups interact with the shelves. By which I mean you see a few couples in the store talking that may just be like multiple customers, but if like If even I just go in with Susan, like if I grab something and she grabs something, is it going to know we're together?
0: Right. I guess you just both need to scan in and you're both technically separate carts unless you're like joined accounts, affiliated family accounts.
1: See, and Mm. this, this is where it gets weird to me is like I, on the one hand, I would say like, no, just bill us separately. But then it's like now we have two receipts to check. Now our food budget is like split between whichever one of us <laughs> happened to pick it up off the shelf. But I mean, Amazon already does a lot of family plan stuff, so maybe they would just say like, "Oh, we recognize yeah, both of you these have the same faces. default card." Yeah, if, if either of these faces pick something up, it goes onto this you know single cart. Yeah.
0: No, it's it's a really cool at least, you know, I I don't know if in practice. I mean, clearly they're they're going to be working on this and trying to advance their AI and their computer vision through this uh technology, but um I I also just worry about like societally if we're ready for this disruption because I know the market forces, if it becomes viable to do this, why would you pay, you know, bags of meat, you know, <laughs> 10 Plus dollars an hour to stand around and scan things if computers can do it, and you know the the cost is almost certainly going to be driven down rapidly on that stuff. Um, but if we do that before society's ready to support humans, it's just going to be um, even if you're like too bad, find a new career. It's like well, you know what happens when you you send giant parts of the population to unemployment. You get like the biggest political unrest of all time you get revolutions (laughs) you get problems so we need to we need to be smart about this disruption i guess is what i'm saying
1: do you okay we're gonna get super political here i think (laughs) so can you imagine this being a chicken and the egg problem that the the companies say hey there's nothing illegal about this technology, but it is morally questionable since we are about to make a whole bunch of people unemployed. So we're going to, we're giving you warning like in two years, we're going to deploy this in mass and it is probably going to have this like massive reduction in the labor force. Do something like make, you know, make universal basic income do, you know, a a different kind of social safety net than we've ever had before. Like, I it, it's terrifying that in this bizarre era, we're like relying on corporations to be the moral compass, but right. I don't you know, think that, that's, that's a good
0: long-term plan. <laughs> no, not, it's not
1: No, but it, at the same time, like in the short run, I don't know what else we're going to do because Amazon is going to release this if it works. Yeah. Like if this works, they're going to open up stores all over and I am going to go to them for the same reason that I do a lot of the other tech things I do is because I don't want to <laughs> deal with people. Yeah. I had to go to the freaking post office this morning, Mike. It was the worst experience, probably, of my entire life. (laughs) There was a long, swear filled rant. I saw saw
0: your Twitter, your (laughs) set of tweets that I I didn't read all of them, but I was like, oh boy, something happened.
1: Yeah. So if I could have walked into a room, put a box down on a little conveyor belt, and it scanned that box and then just went, okay, we've taken, you know, $40 out of your account. (laughs) Bye. Peace out, homie. Like, You know, and like that, yeah, I'm going to choose that experience 100% of the time. 100% of the time, I'm going to choose that experience. And watching this little video, because I I watched it again through when you mentioned that there's no kids in it, and you're totally (laughs) right. Um, There's a lot of smart little things that you can tell, like, nothing on the shelves is haphazard. Like, everything is in perfect rows, and I'm sure that that helps them, like, count inventory and, like, you pull yeah. something and it like slides forward like can of soup style this this i don't i don't see any reason that this can't work this doesn't even seem that complicated to be honest with you
0: yeah and i mean there may be certain categories of products that are harder to like produce or something i guess you just have a single file line of oranges but that's the category where you're like i don't want that orange i want this orange <laughs> but what you know there will be ways around this but um yeah it's it's just an interesting it's like cool technology big societal questions and uh you know i the capitalistic forces are just going to be like yep um, <laughs> but i mean i think we're going to be okay cuz trump's bringing coal jobs back so we're going to be fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank god i mean don't don't you don't you see the I mean, we agree that this is like basically inevitable right yeah. I mean, I, I assume when the auto loom was introduced, the Luddites were all like, ah, no, the auto loom's going to take our job. And it's like, ha you can fight this, but this no, is happening.
0: It may not be to use... The, is it William Gibson that had the futures here? It's just not evenly distributed? Like, it's going to oh, be yeah. differently sprinkled through society. But yeah, that's
1: the future. Well, uh, okay, so I've, I can't remember who posed this question to me, but... Um, It may have actually been our our former boss. Uh, But somebody I remember saying to me once, like, when you go into, like, a really ritzy area and then you stop at, like, a Starbucks for a cup of coffee, there's no way the person who works at that Starbucks can afford to live in that area. So they are obviously commuting from somewhere outside that area. But then, I mean, maybe they just get really awesome tips or, like, something or that's the only (laughs) job they could find. But, like, there's something that made it worthwhile so I can imagine something like an Amazon Go only being the local grocery store in like a San Francisco or like a super posh, you know, area of like another other larger city, like a super ritzy area of New York or like a super ritzy area of yeah. like Miami. And you know, that uh, you know, grocery stores are like, does anybody really want to work at a grocery store? And if you are, like, a trust fund kid to super rich parents, like, do you really want a $9 an hour job at a grocery store? Probably not. You're probably <laughs> going to wait till you're in high school, and then you're going to do, like, an internship at your mom's company. And, like, so, th- yeah. I mean, like, this is this is bad if it affects labor in areas where, like, grocery store clerk... Also, lets you afford to live in the area where you work in a grocery store. But if you had a 20 mile commute to friggin' Bel Air or to San Francisco to work in a, a grocery store there, like I don't know if replacing those jobs would have as big of an impact on the overall economy. Yeah. But, that's, but that's assuming that they stay relegated to the ritzy areas.
0: Well, I mean, what I'm, and tell me if this isn't what you're getting at. Like, we shouldn't prop up old jobs just because. Um, but we do need to plan for the future for people to have careers that are meaningful and available.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- this is the horrible, messy time leading up to the Star Trek future that I'm such a fan of talking about. Is <laughs> You can't have that future without the incredible social safety net that is just a foregone conclusion in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple times that they mention it explicitly but it's always when they're explaining to less advanced races how friggin barbaric they are (laughs) it's like oh you still make people work jobs they hate just so they're allowed to have things like food and education you freaking monsters and it's like
0: you you tie healthcare to jobs so people stay in jobs they hate and don't let more passionate people do that work
1: yeah this is why i'm i'm fully You know, whenever someone's like, oh, you know, you're kind of liberal. And I'm like, no, I'm like basically a socialist. Like, I just just want the Star Trek future. The Star Trek future is essentially a socialist future. It's (laughs) everyone is free to do whatever they want. And if you don't contribute to society, that's fine because it's such a society of abundance that you cannot possibly be such a drain that you bring society down overall. And that's... I mean, we're not there. We're not even close to there, but we're also not really putting laws and cultural practices in place, but we are totally putting the technology in place. So if we're going to replace everybody's job anyway, we should probably start thinking about that whole culture side.
0: But instead, we're going to be playing this VR game, the Catacombs of Solaris. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you find this?
1: I, you know, when I was adding this... Describe it. Describe (laughs) it. Okay. (laughs) The, the TLDR on where I found it is, I don't remember, and that makes it more haunting. <laughs> so th- this video, it's it's like a let's play of this game called The Catacombs of Solaris. And this woman is playing um, Ian. I guess, Is that her name? No, Philippa is her name. Ian might be the person who made the game. But anyway, it's like a drug trip gone berserk, where as you are walking through the game world the the color nonsense changes so like if you turn your head and all the colors stretch out and then you turn your head back and they don't go back to the way they were they just get yeah like more bananas
0: (laughs) lots of like perspective tricks that mess with you and um it almost looks like you're walking into a fractal but it's not exactly the same as a fractal it's just sort of like these tunnels suddenly exist and the texture you thought was actually pointing down a hallway is now a a wall and you have to turn this way it's very trippy and it's garish and it's like full <laughs> rainbow it looks like like fruity pebbles or something uh,
1: yeah it's like not most seven not really structured enough to be a uh a fractal it's more just confusing acid trip mess <laughs> it's like a
0: really early computer 3d end of 2001 <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it does kind of look like that. And and this is what we will do with our free time once we don't have to work jobs we don't like as a society. <laughs> we'll all just be in these catacombs. Yeah, I really honestly wish I could remember what the providence of this was, but I put it into my notes as potential things I wanted to talk with you about, and then I didn't tag it right. <laughs> so I just have, like, no idea. But what I love about this is actually the narration because this this woman who's doing this let's play is like trying so hard to focus and like make <laughs> some kind of meaningful progress but there's no anything there there's no clear objective there's no clear map there's no hud of any kind you just have the color scape nightmare nonsense
0: yeah, it's going to be some kind of future mental prison for people we want to torment. Um, I don't, I mean, yeah, as presented, I wouldn't play this more than like
1: a minute and then it'd be like, huh, that's trippy, never launching it again. Well, and it, it, they don't show, you know, this little video is only two two minutes long, but in, uh, you can find it in the show notes at one four nine. But they, what they don't show is the startup of the game, if it's communicated to you in any way what you should be doing. So if they they artfully used some Skinner Box techniques where every once in a while they give you the illusion that you're making some kind of progress, then I could see you getting sucked into it for a little while because sometimes that total lack of information makes you, like, want to dig in and you're like, what secrets do you contain? <laughs> this is how everyone felt about No Man's Skies. They were like, surely there's going to be something amazing somewhere. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Turned out that no, uh, the greatest modern example of overhype. Oh man, I I can't remember any other game that was that overhyped. <laughs> like, can you like what's and a, like that that's that, a vacuum pre-modern?
0: like the the balloon deflated so fast after launch, just immediate <laughs> like whoa, we're done. Yeah, it was I'm the full
1: on like <laughs> you, you ever you're helping somebody set up for like a birthday party. You think that balloon's tied, and it's not, and then it does the cartoony like <laughs> and, like flies out of your hand like this this was that <laughs> but i don't I don't even know i'm gonna let you introduce this next thing, and i'm gonna see if this game is like on steam or something, and how much it costs, or where the hell it came from
0: yeah <clears throat> so i I found this next thing from a tweet that was complaining about how bad this year is. <laughs> And uh, it was uh, sort of laughing about this clip of uh, some students presenting an AI-driven animation demo to Miyazaki and at least one other Studio Ghibli uh, employee. And uh, they kind of show off and it just kind of looks like this, you know, weird little Silent Hill creature kind of like... (laughs) Shaking and trembling and dragging itself on the floor. And um, they're sort of describing like that the AI is improvising because it's using its head in an unorthodox way to move itself because it (laughs) doesn't have a concept that you should protect the head or that it's not a good thing to drag around. And they're kind of just excited about their tech demo. And then... Um, it's it's almost like the 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 little Hitler video meme where like they wait for his response and then it comes <laughs> and he's angry. Um, but Miyazaki basically is not impressed and he he thinks this is um, vulgar and almost he almost seems like he thinks it's inhuman. Like he he says something very dramatic like this makes me worry for future generations. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he doesn't find it amusing. And, and you know, the kids are like, ah, hey, it was just an experiment and you know maybe horror games or animations would benefit from an AI that can generate strange and disturbing movements. And, uh, um, and I just thought that was, you know, maybe a little more humanist of a topic, but it is involving AI and technology of like, um, how, where, where does, where do human values come into play of like, yeah, you, you did an experiment, but this is, you know, is this good (laughs) for the art form? Is it good for the
1: meaningful creations in the artistic space? Well, and I mean, I don't know the whole context surrounding that meeting, but like, know your audience, man. Like, has yeah. <laughs> has Miyazaki ever done anything that would make you say, you know what, he needs horror movie monster technology? He needs <laughs> he needs some more Silent Hill in his his flights of fantasy. Like, just, I mean, the 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 merits of the technology aside, like we've we'll talked about that in a second, but I mean why were they even pitching this to him?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, it's primary value as a video. I mean, you don't get very much of his thoughts on why he thinks it was bad. And, you know, it's tempting to be like, oh, the old guy isn't ready for next technology, like, to be ageist about it. But uh, I, I, I am personally sympathetic to the humanist critique of, like, you know, our science reflects our values and we need to be careful about what we do. Like, what has science wrought? Like, <laughs> I was trying to find, there was some Onion story about, like, making it possible for, like, hundred-year-old women to give birth. And they're just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I am very sympathetic to it. And it's not from an anti-intellectual side where I'm like, oh, we need the church to decide what humans do. And, and <laughs> you... You scientists are doing evil things because you 're godless um, it 's nothing like that, but uh, I am always concerned about like um, we we sometimes the lust for knowledge can lead us into things that we aren't aware of how they 're going to change the world in possibly a negative way
1: well, didn't you get the feeling at so he says they're like so what do you think and he 's like, "You all are soulless monsters." <laughs> And I hate you. Like, that's that's not exactly what he says. We are all now dumber for having seen this. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty close to how his feelings on the matter come across. And so then when when he finally says, like, how do you envision this being used? One of the guys, after a long, terrified pregnant pause, pause, (laughs) says, we're thinking about, you know, like a machine that could draw like a person. And again... We don't have greater context for this clip, or at least I didn't see any. But does that statement, a machine that can draw like a person, seems like it comes from here's a terrifying monster crawling on its head with its <laughs> spine dislocated? Like, how how does B follow A in this case? I don't – I did not see yeah. it.
0: Um. I did, I mean, I'm I'm not going to go into it, but I. it did make me this debate, even though I don't think these students were trying to destroy humanity, I think they were just like, hey, look, we made a funny thing that, <laughs> you know, it's figuring out how to move in a really, you know, a way no human would think to make something move, um, and I, I don't attribute this, like lack of values to them but um that whole conversation is encapsulated well in this essay or book called the abolition of man i'll just throw the link in the show notes i think it's interesting reading um from the earlier 20th century about um what happens if we you know we reach the future is it kurtzwell it has the singularity like we're going to reach that moment when we transcend our humanness and technology takes over for the future of conscious existence um
1: yeah I'll, I'll you're the literary person. I'll take your word okay for
0: that. I'm pretty sure that's Ray Kurtzell. um and I think that's a complicated thing to ponder philosophically so this is uh I'll throw in the show notes. Have a read. Let me know what you think. Um, <laughs> what's this T-Mobile thing unless you got any more Miyazaki stuff? It's a funny video. You well, should at least watch it to laugh
1: <laughs> well so i do I do a few other things. one is uh the slow, unbelievably tight pan onto his left eye profile when they're waiting for his reaction it's like you can tell they told the camera operator like pan in on him or zoom in on him there's a director he, until he reacts and then they thought he'd react like four or five full seconds sooner than he did so they get like so close that they have to refocus the shot like it's really awkward how close they get to him but i th- this is The, like, know your audience thing is just why I find this so weird is I know he does, like, some computer-generated stuff, and he's not above using technology and and CGI, but it is all in the service of looking, like, beautiful hand-painted imagery. Like, if if you went to him tomorrow and said, hey, you know that movie you came out of retirement for? Suddenly, for no reason, computers are no longer able to make things that look hand-painted, then it would be like the... that clip from Parks and Rec where he'd just be throwing his computer in the dumpster and then he would employ a room full of old-fashioned animators to hand-paint everything because the journey and the tooling to him does not seem like it has any relevance. Like, if you told him the only way you could make your movies is by putting paint on tree branches and pulling them back and letting them flick paint at the paper (laughs) until it generates the image you want, he would be like, that's fine. (laughs) I just... I'm I'm sure he wants convenience where convenience is possible, but the end result you can't get an end result like what he produces if that's not what you care about. I mean yeah. it's just this unbelievably beautiful, detail rich, you know, well thought out, finely crafted. Yeah, I just I don't like I just can't imagine what these kids were thinking when they were like I mean, like you wouldn't pitch pitch communism to Nixon. Like, I just don't. I just don't understand what. The, how did they think this was gonna go? Yeah, I need to that's watch this slow end. zoom in on the eye again because it's just so creepy.
0: Uh, that should probably be its own gif. Probably already is its own gif. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> It'll be one of those ones that's provided without context in giphy. That like you just you're like, I blink, and it just like shows Miyazaki's <laughs> eye, and if you don't know who he is, it's even more just like, why is this a gift?
1: Don't you, uh, I, I don't know what it, you would call it, but like in, uh, like a horror movie, when it's it's slowly zooming in on like the little kid who you're about to find out is like possessed by the devil, and it's Really, really, really quietly, like a men's choir is coming into like the audible range of decibels. (laughs) Like you can imagine that visual of like the slow zoom in on his eye, and it's just like, (laughs)
0: like Temple of Time. (sighs) Uh,
1: I just gave myself something to build later on this afternoon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, break out your copy of iMovie. No.
1: Windows Movie Maker, brother. So T-Mobile made this digits thing. What is this? So apparently T-Mobile isn't in love with the idea that you might have one phone number with one device. So they said, what if a bunch of devices with one phone number? And on its face, that sounds super cool. But the devil is in the details. This is a super proprietary T-Mobile thing. And if you watch the the release, they did like a release vlog where they actually got like two like executive level people to explain what this is and how it works. It's kind of cutesy. It's kind of stupid. But they do a pretty good job of conveying what's happening. And the guy, there's the they're like CIO and, and one of the other in, like engineer people. And he actually says um, there is no standard for this. Every other company that's tried to do something like this has done it in, like, a half-baked way, and we have patented the crap out of it. Or, <laughs> I, I believe he says— Like the um, Steve
0: Jobs line, boy, have we patented it. <laughs> yes, it was
1: incredibly <laughs> reminiscent of that. It was just, like, all of this technology is patent pending. So the thing that is cool about this on the face of it is, like, I have a single phone number, and I can attach it to tablets— phones, multiple phones, multiple tablets, multiple phones and tablets to computers, anything that has a cell radio, I can now connect this single number to it and I can receive text messages and I can make phone calls in and out and that's all great. But this raises a lot of questions like now because this is a proprietary T-Mobile service, can I take my phone number back out with me if I leave T-Mobile Hopefully, the answer is still yes. I mean, obviously, it's going to consolidate back down to a single device. But, like, if I put my number into this service, does it come back out? How are things like two-factor auth affected by this? Like, if I get a text message, do seven devices get text messages? Do none of them get text messages?
0: So, I mean, you kind of explained some of the technical stuff. But, like, I'm a dumb regular person. What does this do for me? Why do I
1: want this? So, the example they keep going back to in the announcement video is... A lot of people carry, like, a work phone and a personal phone. And you want your number to, you know, ring both of those phones, but not all the time. And sometimes you only want it to go to one. And, like, there's this, like, everybody carries, like, it's it's like it's 2008 all over again. And everybody has their BlackBerry for work and then also their iPhone. And I don't, I don't honestly know how rampant this still is where people carry multiple phones. I know it happens. I don't feel like it's the overwhelming norm or majority on well,
0: the screenshot here is like basically they're they're focusing on that you can like set up aliases for extra phone numbers you want to use in temporary or like uh siloed situations like you do dating online and you don't want your main phone number associated so you create a new alias that's for dating only and you know when that gets called it's someone calling you because they found you on whatever yeah it's your like the,
1: the plus email address that gmail supports which yeah. I guess is actually a part of the normal email protocol, but most email providers just ignore it. And, and some providers
0: let you, like, my I pay for Fastmail, um, and I can generate all kinds of aliases, or, you know, I have my own domain, so I can generate, you know, whatever. I can
1: do that with email, which, which was your point. Right. Um, and, I mean, th- this level of abstraction makes sense because the phone number is a useful identifier for a person, but it's also tied to a single device. It's tied to a single um, instance of that device. Like if you have, you know, two iPhones, you can't have it go to both. And it does say right down here at the bottom of the article, there's one big problem though. Digits doesn't currently work with iMessage. Yeah. That's at least a a U.S. problem. (laughs) Well, and, but then that also made me think like, okay, so I don't use iMessage. I'm an Android person. Um, exactly what application am I using to check my text messages on my computer? You're saying that I can attach right. my phone number to my computer. Is there a dedicated application? Like that seems like the easiest one. And and then across what about devices that have cell radios, but because of law aren't allowed to make phone calls? Are they now allowed to make phone calls? Are they <laughs> Wi-Fi phone calls? According to the the tech video – They said one of the principal differences, and I I never really thought about this this deeply, but they said one of the principal differences between this and some of the competing services on, like, Sprint AT&T is that the calls and text messages and things you're doing are still what he keeps referring to as carrier class, meaning they're actually going out over the cell network, not over the data network. Yeah. So now – like we're just doubling down on that. <laughs> well but like is there a limit? Well he admits that they prioritize that. So like if I'm trying yeah. to make a cell call and you're trying to make a Wi Fi call and we're both hitting the same tower, so I get we have priority.
0: Some net neutrality concerns suddenly.
1: Well, I think it's just it's a artifact of when the primary use of cell networks was not data. Yeah. I mean it is technically two protocols that are going through the same physical device, the same, you know, tower. So there's yeah. I'm, I'm sure if there's anybody listening that knows anything about cellular engineering is probably like, ah, you're screwing this all up. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, I can imagine, you know, okay, I have multiple phones and whatever. And I have a tablet. Now I can make phone calls from my tablet. Neat. And I can answer text messages from my computer. Fine. This is welcome. But now, like, uh, they decide to triple the price.
0: And- well, and if you're, <laughs> well, I mean... Not, not, not every ecosystem has like put all the pieces in place, but I currently have most of that functionality just because I have a lot of Apple devices. And right. so how is T-Mobile going to get me to pay them for something that I have?
1: Well, they don't really talk too much about Apple in here. Um, the tablet they show is not an iPad. It's a Samsung one. They show a smartwatch, but it's not the Apple Watch. It's the Moto 360 or one of the round ones. They And they, they even make a point of saying, like, say you're going out boating, like, and you want phone calls to come through, boating. like, yeah, you know, screw it, I go boating. Like, you you can have, like, a crappy flip phone that's for when you're doing, like, active stuff, and so your calls and texts will still go through to your crappy flip phone, and then when you're back among civilization, you can switch back to your expensive pocket computer. Like, but this this seems... That can't be the
0: primary business logic, though, is people are going to get flip phones.
1: (laughs) No, but that's exactly what's weird about this, is each of these things separately doesn't seem compelling enough. Like, texting from my laptop is not a compelling enough reason to do this. There's a billion
0: messaging services. You're fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, having a a backup phone is not a compelling enough reason to do this. Like, if I'm afraid of breaking my phone when I go skiing, then I just won't carry my phone when I go skiing. I can be disconnected for a few freaking minutes. Um, But... If you're already a T-Mobile customer or you're thinking about switching providers, all of these, like each one of these additional things is like, well, that's a nice to have. Like, oh, I I have a tablet. It'd be nice if I could answer phone calls on my tablet or like, oh, I I have this old phone laying around. It'd be nice if I could take that with me when I went mountain biking instead of my $900 pocket computer. Like, I, I don't see anyone dropping what they're doing currently and being like, oh my God, I need this in my life. But... If you're on the fence and increasingly each cellular carrier is becoming a little more indistinguishable from each other, this is kind of like a, oh, it'd be convenient to have some of those features.
0: It it really has to live in that, like, well, I'm already a Prime member, so they they added new videos for me to watch. Cool. But it's not like I'm looking for a specific video and I'm like, yay, now I will become a Prime customer.
1: Right. And I don't remember, but I don't see pricing information in here so if you're already a t-mobile customer is this just something you let's say if you're interested in trying d- digits you'll need a postpaid t-mobile yeah so this is i think if you're a t-mobile customer this is just something you can do
0: well it's uh it's in beta it'll cost an actually monthly fee and then quoting the article but t-mobile isn't revealing pricing today this is not going to be treated as adding another line to your account expect us to be disruptive here
1: okay so if it's five dollars extra But you if if, especially if you're the kind of person who keeps your old devices, maybe you have three or four phones laying around and a a couple of old tablets and you're like, Oh, now this old phone can be my when I go boating phone, you know?
0: Well, and I mean, one of the interesting cases for, maybe I'll admit that there's something interesting, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> if, if you have, you know, we live in a bring your own device kind of life where, you know, we have the ugly situation of like, here's my work phone, here's my personal phone. Um, but one of the things they mention is specifically businesses can issue a phone number that now gets attached to your device, will ring your device for work calls, even though it's your personal phone. And part of me is like, that's cool. I would rather not have multiple phones. And the other part of me is like, that's not cool. Does the company now have rights to search my phone for personal stuff? <laughs> if I work for the government, is that now a Freedom of Information
1: Act phone? Like, I don't know. Um, well, and is call forwarding not already a thing? Like, my, the right. company I work for now does this. Like, I have a work number that does technically go to a physical phone but i think i've taken all of like one calls on that phone yeah. and it just forwards to my my personal phone because well, that would call just forwarded.
0: be a, a question of if the you know, behind the scenes market of is cisco making money off this or is t mobile making money off this kind of yeah. battle
1: yeah, that, that's true. If if it seems like it doesn't make sense from the user's point of view why this thing is changing, it's probably because someone is trying to cut out a middleman or <laughs> or an outsourced third party or whatever.
0: Well, when you imagine some like super futuristic remote-only company, would be like, yeah, we're just going to issue T-Mobile numbers and use your own phone. Or
1: here's a discount to buy one through the company, but you have to have a phone. Well, no, I do... I mean, separate from the implementation details of this and the fact that it's unfortunately proprietary and tied to T Mobile at this time, and presumably forever because it's proprietary, <laughs> but I do like the idea of abstracting the number away from the SIM card and saying, like, no, your phone number is a thing that refers to you, but then what it points to could be any number of things. Because if we're going to move in a direction where, like, my, my, uh, my Apple watch or my Android wear watch can have a cell radio, like for the love of God, don't give it a dedicated phone number. Like, can we just not, <laughs> can we not do that? Like, please. And we let hard
0: coded the password, <laughs> ABC one, two, three.
1: Yeah. Please let my iPendant pendant just share whatever my number is, you know, let, and I mean, I could see this extending out to even other devices that don't, we don't normally think of them as having radios in them, but like let my Kindle, you know, I'll buy a 3g Kindle, but let it just have my phone number. And then if I want to like connect to the web, it just connects through the same, you know, account as like all of my other devices. So that yeah. adding this abstraction layer where I don't have to have ten different numbers for ten different devices, or even eight different numbers for ten different devices, where it's like, oh well those two can share, but not the rest of them. Like just don't. Yeah. So you know, this this came up again with um uh was it Google uh Allo or Duo is like it's attached to your phone number. And that's so dumb. You, yeah, so if you want to have Duo on like multiple phones or or the far more common situation on a phone and a tablet, you literally can't. Yeah, I that's for
0: Allo too, like and I think if you switch phones it's like I I, mean, I don't have it so I don't can't verify
1: but it's like <laughs> your chat history's gone cuz it's a new device it decided. Yeah. yeah, so please abstract that stuff away like if if the phone number is going to continue to be like a person identifier for a while, which I'm okay with. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything terribly wrong with the Nintendo friend code that is the phone number. <laughs> can you... Well, you're so deep into iMessage, like, this probably isn't even so the tiniest bit. <laughs> you're neck deep into iMessage. <laughs> Balls. Sorry, never
0: mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see why I would want this. Um And my phone number is already something I almost never need to share with people anyway. Like I predominantly communicate with people via other means.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's enough phone numbers that it's, we're not as concerned about it colliding, having like user space collisions. Like you on Twitter, for example, like you have weird spelling pseudo Michael instead of the spelling of pseudo Michael you want because (laughs) somebody you know land grabbed it first but and then has
0: abandoned it for six years and still (laughs) i can't take
1: it right but your phone number is your phone number because it's controlled by like a central government authority i think it must be possibly is that why we pay a fee to like pick a number or something yeah i think it goes it probably goes through the fcc but anyway the point is like you you can go to if if your phone number was truly portable and you could point it as at as many things as you want and you could point it at as many devices as well as services as you want then there's some benefit to saying like yeah okay I am one two three four five six seven eight nine and on every service no matter how late I am to getting an account on that service I know my number will be mine and no one can possibly confuse it with someone else because it's mine. Hey, let's just use our social security numbers. <laughs> You know, there are actually countries where that is not privileged information because having that is not enough to completely ruin someone's life. That's a wonderful idea. Right? <laughs> and on that cheerful note, let's put a bow on this.
0: All right. Thank you so much for listening to episode 149 of Flipping Tables. Uh, check out the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 149.
1: Wait, Our next- wait. Real-time what? follow-up. Uh, I found the catacombs of Solaris. Okay. Uh, it's a pay what you want game from the the developers website. Uh, there's a Linux, a Mac, and a Windows version. Um, I know the la- the next episode is our last episode, but I think we might have to do a little bit of like play testing on this. And do some okay, follow-up. okay, okay, okay. Now you can finish. So find the link to that and everything else we talked
0: about at our show notes at sunriserobotnet table slash 149 Our next episode will be our last episode. Oh, sad, sad. We'll, we'll put something special together, some kind of special show. And uh, also be eventually talking to our Patreon sponsors about something we're going to do for them. Uh, we love feedback, so we're on Twitter. I'm at pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael. And David, you are?
1: At Lions in Beta.
0: And we still have our Reddit community alive uh, for these last two episodes. would love your comments and feedback as you listen. Uh, If you go to reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables, you'll see a link to each episode, including this one. And uh, that's sort of our official comment section for episodes. We don't have it on our website. Uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss the last episode, you can still subscribe if you go to the RSS or iTunes buttons on our website or just search for Flipping Tables in your favorite podcast app. I'm still using Overcast. You're still using Podcast Addict.
1: No. Duncan no, was using Podcast Addict. I'm a Pocket I was- Cast man.
0: I keep, I'm, I'm like someone. We're, not we're, him and I are just, right.
1: We're so interchangeable.
0: <laughs> I, I'm the classic <laughs> older person trying to name their kids, and they keep saying everyone else's name. Um, I'm not my ageist, I promise. Uh, so, we do want to give special thanks to our Patreon sponsors for taking us all the way here with Sunrise Robot. Uh, we couldn't have done this without you guys. So, special thanks to Matt Mariner, uh, Sean Byrne, <laughs> Benji Robinson, Trackpad Hand Cunningham. Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ida Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much.
1: So, so much love.
0: We'll see you next week. See you next week.